0: The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, with your host Paul J. Laverty and sponsored by Castlemaine's signature bookstore, Stoneman's Bookroom. Broadcast on 94.9 Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. All aboard. Hello there listeners and welcome to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM. And the Community Radio Network, which is broadcast across Australia. And we're brought to you by our very good friends here in Castle, Maine, Stone Man's book room. Today on the show, I have a very special guest. It's author Charlotte McConaughey, who is going to talk to us about her latest novel, her debut novel, Once There Were Wolves, which is out now via Penguin. Let me read a little to you about the book. From the author of the international bestseller, Migrations, comes a pulse-pounding new novel set in the wild Scottish highlands. Inti Flynn arrives in Scotland with her twin sister, Aggie, to lead a team tasked with reintroducing 14 grey wolves into the remote highlands. She hopes to heal not only the dying landscape, but a broken Aggie too. However, Inti is not the woman she once was, and may be in need of rewilding herself. Despite fierce opposition from the locals, Inti's wolves surprise everyone by thriving, and she begins to let her guard down, even opening up to the possibility of love. But when a local farmer is found dead, Inti knows where the town will lay blame. Unable to accept her wolves could be responsible, she makes a reckless decision to protect them, testing every instinct she has. But if her wolves didn't make the kill, then who did? And what will she do when the man she's been seeing becomes the main suspect? Propulsive and spellbinding, Once There Were Wolves, is the unforgettable tale of a woman desperate to save the creatures she loves. Part thriller, part redemptive love story, Charlotte McConaghy's profoundly affecting novel will stay with you forever. And here's a bit about the author. Charlotte McConaughey has been writing from a young age. She has both a graduate degree in screenwriting and a master's degree in screen arts, and has worked in script development for film and television for several years. She has written a number of speculative fiction books, but The Last Migration is her first literary novel, and she lives in Sydney. And here is Charlotte McConaghy on the line right now. Charlotte McConaughey, thank you so much for joining us today on The Quiet Carriage to speak about your novel, Once There Were Wolves.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it was a real pleasure to read your book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I find it so cinematic and I can really see it as a film. The way that you um, you use language was so descriptive and I can definitely see it up there. Has there been any interest at all in it?
1: There has, there has. It, it's kind of um, there's, a, there's a, there's something in the pipeline, in the works that mm-hmm. I, I can't talk about yet. But hopefully, it will kind of all come off, and I, I um, will hopefully be able to be involved in the, in the screenplay, which would be exciting.
0: Amazing, yeah. So you're not going to give us a Quiet Courage exclusive just yet. but that, <laughs> That's fair enough. Not
1: yet. <laughs> uh, your
0: background's screenwriting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trained in screenwriting, so my two degrees are in screencraft, um, really? and I've done quite a lot of work in um, TV and film development. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Can I start with a pretty base-level question here? Why yeah. wolves?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a good question because we don't have them here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've always kind of been fascinated with wolves, and... little bit in love with them and I think that comes from my kind of love of fairy tales and mythology growing up but I didn't start to really I guess become fascinated enough with them to write about them until I I learned of their incredible power over their environments so because they're a keystone species, it means that they have a trickle-down effect on every other species in their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this allows them to have an extraordinary um, impact on uh, things like the growth of plants and trees um, and the movement of water. So that's why we say that wolves can literally regrow forests and mm-hmm. change the course of rivers. Um, and they also kind of just generate so much passion from people on both ends of the spectrum whether it's fear and loathing or in you know in, intense love as well on the other side and that's something about that is just really interesting to me.
0: Yeah the book itself was a real piece of education for me and I realized how little I knew about wolves and just how, mm. how fascinating they were and I was wondering like how much Research did you have to do in terms of the wolves because your protagonist Inti she's a she's an expert in the field.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was definitely definitely the most intimidating part about taking on this kind of story. Um, I knew that it was going to be really tricky for me to convey a character who knew what she was talking about when I didn't have a clue. Mm. So I obviously spent a lot of time reading and researching about wolves and. I was particularly lucky to come across the uh, Yellowstone reintroduction project from the 90s in America, mm-hmm. which um, is this amazing, uh, triumphant project of, of reintroducing wolves. And what's so great about it is that a lot of the wolf biologists who worked on it have actually written first-hand accounts of their stories. Mm-hmm. So I, I just got really heavily into reading about those and kind of finding out, that juicy kind of detail that that brings a story to life and really makes it feel authentic
0: because mm, the scottish part of the story that's fiction isn't it they haven't actually been introduced there but yeah. i know it's, it's been discussed is that, is that correct
1: yeah yeah it's it's a it's a kind of a hot debate that goes on over there and and it's it's it doesn't look likely i i will say mm-hmm. <laughs> the conservationists can kind of see how important um something like that would be and how beneficial it would be but there's enormous pushback from the farming and hunting community there um because it is a small space and and you know i think they're kind of reasonably concerned about bringing in a predator that might Uh, prey on their
0: livestock (laughs) yeah I imagine that's a huge concern yeah and yeah why why Scotland Because this is, to be honest, this is what stuck out for me uh, the most because I get offered offered quite a lot of interviews. But my creative writing PhD is Scottish literary representations in Australia. So I was like, wow, a novel about (laughs) Scotland. So that was, and I'm from there as well. So I was was, was fascinated from that aspect. Oh, I
1: thought that might have been your accent. I came here when I
0: was 10. So it's a a long, long way back. But I do, well, but pre-COVID, I did try and go back every few years. But, um, yeah. yeah, why – I mean, apart from your name, I imagine you've got some Scottish heritage as yeah, well. Yeah, I've,
1: I've got a bit of bit of long back heritage. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. It's, it's definitely been some some a place that I kind of love to visit um, and explore and I guess in a sense I feel a little bit connected to it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it, – it was just perfect for the story because it's a place where we have um, hunted – the walls to extinction, um, and the environment now really kind of needs them back. So it it sort of felt like, and, and because it's such a hot topic, um, and and Scotland is actually very progressive in terms of its rewilding efforts, mm-hmm. um, it did it felt like a really kind of perfect space. Along with, you know, the aesthetic of it is just so gorgeous. I love mm. the um, the sort of dramatic danger of the landscapes and and the, the changeability of it and and kind of it just it feels like a really wild space mm-hmm. which was sort of perfect for writing a story about wildness and um, you know getting a bit lost within within landscape
0: mm. and did you get to go there to research for the novel?
1: Yeah, I did. I was so lucky. I squeezed it in just before the pandemic. It was October before before the world went crazy and mm. my partner and I went over there and and um, just roamed around and, and explored the forests and the mountains and the hills and tried to kind of imagine where the wolves might go. <laughs> it, was be- it was a really lovely trip, actually. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm supposed to go there as part of my PhD, but... Oh, I mean, well, am no. I going to get to go there in the next two and a half years? I, I hope well, so. Maybe I hope so, but <laughs>
1: I'll cross we'll, my fingers for
0: you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Also, another component in the novel is, and I'm going to have some trouble saying this: mirror touch synth. Thesia, synesthesia. synesthesia there you go synesthesia. which yeah. uh well you'd probably be much better at explaining uh to our listeners than i would but uh yeah if you could explain a little and and where that idea came from yeah. to give your protagonist um that that skill or would it be a yeah. skill you would say a, a condition uh, or? I, I call it a
1: condition yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a it's a very rare um, neurological condition which uh, means that Inti, the protagonist, she, whatever she, whatever physical sensation she witnesses, she will feel herself. So if, for example, she sees someone get slapped in the face, she'll feel the sting of that slap on her own cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very kind of intense way to to move through the world um, and I kind of first learned about it uh, many years ago just from a, it was an NPR podcast called Invisibilia. Mm-hmm. They, they explore sort of really interesting scientific phenomenons in a way, and, and I, I was just blown away by this condition and kind of put it in my back pocket to use for the right the right book and the right character, and it felt really right for this story because I think fundamentally this book is about empathy and the lack of empathy and, and what that lack of empathy does to us and, and what it kind of uh, makes us do and, and that idea of cultivating empathy as an important sort of way of existing in the world. Um, and, 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 you know, this this condition is kind of the most intense form of empathy, I think, that anyone can really feel in a way because it's it's physically allowing you to get inside someone else's body.
0: Mm. Mm. And how aligned are you to Inti, to the main character? I mean, how many elements of, of her does she have of, of you?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, look, I, I, I'm I, very, very in love with her, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's sort of, I think we, we have to be kind of in love with our characters in a way. And she, she became a bit of a mouthpiece for me in terms of, I think, unfortunately, this uh, some of writing this book came from a very angry place for me because I could see w- what was happening in the world and, and the harm that we are doing to the natural world and to the creatures we share this world with, but also to each other. Um, and I, I just, specifically uh, the domestic violence emergency that we're we're going through in Australia and and the slaughter of the wolves and it was all kind of you know bubbling up in in me and trying to work out how to sort of best fuel this into a story that you know feels thematically cohesive um and so inti sort of became the voice for that for that fury in a way um she's she is a furious woman who has a right to be and has been through a lot. Um, and so in that way she's, you know, I feel very connected to her but it was kind of also really important for me to sort of write her out of that yeah. <laughs> and to give her a, a sense of healing and and I guess allow her to see the good in people again by the end of the book.
0: You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on ninety-four point nine Main FM and across Australia on the Community Radio Network and sponsored by Stoneman's Bookroom. And now we'll return to my chat with author of Once There Were Wolves, which is out now via Penguin, and its author, Charlotte McConaughey. There are a lot of dark, uncomfortable aspects to the novel, and uh, there is a there is a murder in the, I don't think we're giving yep. too much away there by saying that, there's a murder in the, no, no, the no. novel as well, yeah. Is it a crime book? Do you consider yourself to be a crime writer?
1: Mm, no, not really. I, I've never thought of myself as that. I think I'm a bit more hybrid um, because if, if this was going to be a full straight crime novel, I think I, I would have drawn on more, crime tropes and perhaps um, used more, I guess, beats of, of the crime mm. plot line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I really I wanted to keep it balanced um, with sort of the story of the wolves and into his connection with nature and her relationships, the complexity of her relationships as well. So I think in that sense, it's, it's more of a hybrid
0: Mm. literary
1: and mystery thriller.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I don't know. Definitely. It walks the line, but
1: I think in
0: a a good sense, you know? Yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does have that mystery to kind of pull you through and and to keep guessing, which is always fun.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, this isn't your first book. Your Was it Migration or The Last Migration, which was your –
1: Yes, <laughs> both titles.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know too – I'll be honest, I don't know too much about that. All I know is that it was an international bestseller. Is it? Is it similar to this or is it completely different?
1: Yeah, it's got similar themes for sure. So it's the story of a woman who is um, following – the, what could be the last flock of Arctic turns from the um, Arctic to the Antarctic, mm. and she does that because um, the novel is set in the very, very near future um, during the peak of the extinction crisis when all the animals really have kind of either gone extinct or are pretty much the last of their kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it does draw on that, um, I guess, that, that nature and climate space um, but it's also sort of a, a very personal story um, of this woman's life and what's kind of led her her to take on this epic journey.
0: Mm. It seems like the environment and, and landscape is a really big thing for you as a writer. what, what is your what is your background?
1: Uh, yeah, it is a big thing and it's funny how it's become a big thing because mm. I don't have any background in, in it. Um, You know, I I sort of – I've been a writer as long as I can remember and and my first books were kind of big uh, YA fantasy epics. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, it's a very different space to be writing in. I think I I was wanting to write uh, escapism and and to have adventures from the safety of my bedroom. But as I kind of grew older, that – I guess my desire shifted a little and I became a bit more aware of what was going on around me and I never intentionally set out to write sort of climate fiction, if that's what we're calling it. Um, But I think I wanted to write about our connection to nature and I just found that I couldn't do that without also looking at human impact on nature and, and sort of what's happening. And the more I kind of you know, waded my way into all of that, the more urgent it seemed and the more important it seemed. And so I just find myself, you know, coming back to it again.
0: Yeah. Climate fiction. Is that a genre? Or did you just make that (laughs) up? I think it's going to (laughs) be.
1: It is kind of a genre. It's sort of a new, a new thing that's, that's being talked about a bit. And I'm not sure how I feel about it (laughs) Yeah, because it kind of i think it pushes climate into into a genre space which are usually reserved for things that we have to sort of suspend a bit of disbelief around yeah. when you know climate change is, is hard reality um, and and stories of about climate also fit into pretty much any genre that mm. you could want them to so I, yeah it's a bit of a tricky Tricky um, category. Quite
0: dystopian, I imagine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah right. And, definitely what,
0: can yeah. and what do you see, where do you see your future? Are you going to continue with novels? Or are you going to move back into to film?
1: I will definitely be writing novels for the rest of my life, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've got one that I'm kind of working on at the moment, which will be... I'm due to submit it to my editor next year, so it's a little while away yet. Um, but I would love, yeah, I would love to write um, screenplays. I love film and TV as well, um, and I think you know, stretching your writing muscles is always good for good for your um, good for your writing. Mm. So I, I know certainly screenwriting has actually been excellent for my prose, which is kind of a strange revelation for me. So yeah, I would love to do some more of it.
0: Mm, I find screenwriting is quite good for structure because I've got a bit of a background in screenwriting as well, but it really helps me, you know, sit down and actually, yeah, get a plan done. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, Mm. my God, because I remember all the stuff I wrote before I did my screenwriting degrees. Um, You know, I think we instinctively use structure, but once you have learnt uh, how to identify it, it just becomes this kind of really powerful underpinning um, that mm-hmm. helps, helps, you know, it supports your storytelling. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big structure fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And are you a full-time writer at the moment?
1: Yeah. Yes, I that's am. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Very lucky. Very
0: yeah. That's fantastic. And you're New South Wales, Sydney based. Is that right? Sydney. Yes. Yeah. And we would have, we have to mention it, don't we? Unfortunately, uh, COVID. Yeah. How's, uh, how's the whole lockdown situation been for you, as a creative, but also as someone who's, who's trying to get a book out as well?
1: Yeah, well, actually, it's been really bad luck because my novel Migrations came out last year right in the middle of lockdown, and mm. now this one's coming out right in the middle of lockdown. Um, I haven't been able to go and see it in a bookshop yet, which is pretty sad. And, you know, we can't do sort of launch events. But it is also lovely that we can do all this sort of digital and virtual stuff and it means we can kind of reach out and try and connect with each other in in that way. Mm. So that's, you know, that's a silver lining, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, it's all... It's getting a bit tedious, isn't
0: it? Yeah, 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 I speak to some authors and they can churn out novels no problem during lockdown, and then other authors that can't even write a word. Which yeah, category I, do you fall in?
1: I, I think I found it quite hard, and I think because yeah. I finished once there were wolves, um, sort of around the beginning of the of the ho- the start of the pandemic, and so I was already kind of pretty mentally fried from that. Um, It was quite a fast write. I had a year to turn it around. So that was an intense year, and it was a difficult book to write. So I I went into the pandemic very creatively fatigued anyway um, Mm. and then found it quite difficult to sort of shift out of that um lethargy i suppose um i think it's really hard to kind of find your way into that deep creative space when you're very focused on what's happening around you in the real world it's just difficult to switch off
0: yeah i have found that just switching off the news really helped me like i used to get up in the morning and that would be the first thing i'd turn on and it's just so much better just to put music on instead it just sets you up for the day a little bit better yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good idea. Actually, I should start doing that.
0: Yeah, it just—it's so repetitive, isn't it? And let's face mm, it, pretty, pretty mm-hmm. depressing at the moment. How, yeah. how how about reading? Are you managing to to read much?
1: Yeah, um, probably not as much as I normally do, but yeah, I'm I'm tr- I'm getting getting back into it, mm-hmm. um, and loving it. You know, it's such a it's it's such a pleasure to escape in yeah. that in that sense. I know you're reading without the pressure.
0: Yeah. And are you Sorry. reading uh work that's similar to yours or do you read do you read stuff that's that's different?
1: I try to, yeah. Um I mean I, I mostly just read literary fiction these days. Um, but I enjoy kind of getting into a bit of um yeah, a bit of nature writing and mm-hmm. um I like reading I mean I've I've read <clears throat> recently lots of works from people who I've had the pleasure of kind of you know, sitting on panels with, that's always really lovely to yeah. kind of read your cohort's work. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. It's great when you, when you go to book festivals as well and you come back with about 10 books from you yeah. met, It's always <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Australian writing's really great at the moment, really strong. The last couple of years especially. Yeah. It's mm. been fantastic. Uh, Charlotte McConaughey, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you wish we could continue but unfortunately we're going to have to cut it off at that point your novel once there were wolves it's out no august that is in uh via penguin charlotte mcconaughey (laughs) thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me
2: Let me love me, say you do Let me fly away with you For my love is like the wind Wild is the wind. is a way To me. All
0: things to me. Welcome back to The Quiet Carriage We heard Wild as the Wind by Nina Simone The selection of my guest today, Charlotte McConaughey Who is the author of Once There Were Wolves And that novel is out now via Penguin and that is all we have time for today on the show. You can find out more about the quiet carriage across all the socials under the name Paul J. Laverty. Until next time, keep reading.